I'm Dan Joseph. You're listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. On immigration, it's it's actually kind of hilarious, really. How a bill like the one that we just got the text of last night, the Senate immigration bill, primarily authored by Republican James Langford of Oklahoma, is seen by so many Republicans as being weak, as being a non-starter. When 10 years ago, pre-Trump, that bill would have been the most hard-line anti-immigration bill that has ever been proposed. And the GOP would have voted for it, and they would have taken a huge win. And it would have been a big embarrassment to Joe Biden and to any Democrat who was president at the time. And it would have gone a long way to solving the problem that conservatives tell us is our biggest problem at the southern border. It's it's really amazing to me because this bill, if you look at it, if you look at the details of what is being reported is in the bill, it gives the hardliners so much of what they wanted. It would, first of all, raise the standards for asylum screening. That means that fewer people would be let in. Um, up until now, almost anyone has been able to get in who's if you're able to get to a port of entry and you say, I fear for my life in my home country and I'm seeking asylum, you're basically in. And that, that's been a huge part of the issue because legally speaking, you are not supposed to be granting migrants asylum for economic hardship, which is why the vast majority of them are coming here. So the, the, this part of the law clearly needs to be clarified. And it sounds to me like that's something that this particular bill addresses. It would end catch and release which is the number one thing the Republicans say they want. That's the number one thing Trump says he wants. It's in this bill. There would be more migrants detained and not just let into the country. There would be more judges. There would be speeding up of the adjudication process that migrants go through when seeking asylum. You would be able to get them back to their home countries faster, less of a backlog, less migrants disappearing into the country forever, never to be seen again. There is no pathway to citizenship in this bill. There's no amnesty. There's $20 billion for border security, including some for a physical barrier. So, so basically, this has everything the Trump faction of the party wants. But they're finding and inventing ways and reasons to say it's unacceptable. And the, the one part of the bill that Trump and Republicans are pointing to uh, is the part that says, well, the border would be completely shut down if there were over a certain number of encounters every every day. So in other words, if a certain number of people came to the border seeking asylum, uh, after a certain point, they would no longer be permitted to make an asylum claim. So only so many asylum claims per day. And the, the bill's opponents are making it sound like this means that we're just letting anyone in up until a certain point every day, no questions asked. That's not what it is. And I'm telling you that by every measurement, this bill would lead to vastly fewer migrants being led into let into the U.S. on an annual basis. But now, you see what's happening here is MAGA is moving the goalposts. They're saying they're saying that they won't accept any legislation until not a single migrant, none, not a single migrant is allowed in the U.S. But, but here's the reality. Even if they do that, 
even if the law that was proposed saying no one could ever come into the country again, they would still reject it by saying, well, okay, now unless it deports all the people in the country illegally, then we don't want that either. That's exactly what they would say. They will move the goalposts until they get what they really want, which is Trump in the White House. Doesn't have anything to do with immigration. Even though he would never be able to pass a bill with this many restrictions on border crossings, Trump would never be able to do that. Democrats aren't going to work with him. And the issue has become too politically valuable for him to actually fix it anyway. The the immigration issue and the idea that he's the only one that can fix it is how he keeps his troops in line. It's the glue that holds his coalition together. If he loses that, the problem is solved. And what else does he have? Not much. What, what, what else do they need him for? Nothing. Here's, here's what he said upon what I'm sure was Trump's careful examination of the Langford Bill's text. Quote, I do not think we should do a border deal at all unless we get everything needed to shut down the invasion of millions and millions of people, many from parts are known, unknown, into our once great but soon-to-be great country again. Hmm. And I, yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not sure what that is anymore. I, what does he need? Like, what what does he need to shut down the so-called invasion? Because it seems like that's what's in this bill. And and look, I don't don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying Biden isn't being political here too. He knows that many on the left don't like this bill, but he sees that making it appear as though the GOP is completely irrational on this issue is more valuable to him politically than ignoring it like he's been doing. Because he knows. He knows the situation at the border is hurting him a lot. And that this makes it look like he's not being the intractable one when, in fact, Biden is responsible for a lot of the chaos to begin with. That's absolutely true. Conservatives are absolutely right when they say, Uh, Biden is refusing to do his job. They're absolutely correct. They're absolutely right when they say that Biden could solve a huge chunk of this problem with a stroke of his pen and simply refuses. Okay, okay, fine. So now he's offering to stop doing that. And the GOP is saying, nope, nope, too late. Because if you stop letting everyone in, then we won't be able to complain about you letting everyone in anymore. And the issue goes away for us. It's, It's such a mess. And it speaks to just how dysfunctional American politics has become over the last 15 to 20 years. The the parties are rejecting things they want because their bases won't accept anything less than total victory, both legislatively and politically. Anything less than that is unacceptable. And that's not the way the system is supposed to work. The system is supposed to promote compromise, but that's become a horrible, dirty word, too. We don't even use it anymore. You don't even hear it. You don't even hear politicians talk about compromise anymore because then people will start saying, oh, compromise, the, the bases, the people on the bases of the two parties, oh, oh, compromise. Well, you can't trust them. them. You can't trust the other side because they don't trust anyone anymore. Internally, especially on the right, the members of the base believe that there are only a handful of people that can be trusted completely and that somehow if they stay loyal to these people and hold the line, and never compromise that they this tactic will somehow get them exactly what they want in the end, which is not how it works. Not in politics. People who believe that are being played. It's, it's not that, that way in any other part of life either. 
So, hey, I mean, let's let's be completely honest here politically. This may benefit Trump. It may let him keep the issue. It may secure his base. It may even help him win the general election. Who knows? But it doesn't help us as a country get a hold on this problem, which I thought was the point. The, the only long-term solution to this problem at this point is in the form of legislation and not executive orders that go back and forth depending on who is in the White House. Um, I'll, be, I'll tell you, in all honesty, I'd like to see this come up for a vote in the House rather than just having Speaker Johnson kill it. I think it might actually pass, but I'd like to have them go on record. It, might, it would pass as a bipartisan vote. But again, that's not, it's not viewed as a good thing anymore by Republicans. They, they view bipartisanship as making deals with an enemy who wants to destroy the country and who can't be trusted. And this has been an issue in the GOP since really the Tea Party came around. Yes, since Clinton. But there were deals getting done during the Clinton years. You remember that big deals between Gingrich and Bill Clinton. When the Tea Party started, when Obama came in, that stopped. But it's it's a lack of trust. It's no compromise because the other side will inevitably try to trick us and they won't keep their promises. And unless I get 100% of what I want, there's no deal to be had. So I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated by this. You can tell I'm frustrated by the fact that these days guys like me who understand that incremental progress – and, and like you, because if you're listening to this podcast, you're not one of those hardliners, most likely. We understand that incremental progress through compromise is how you get things done in D.C. It's how you solve problems. And the people who understand that now have less and less of a voice in the political sphere. And that's not just a Trump thing. I think it predates him. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the influence of talk radio and Fox News. And it largely comes back to this particular issue, immigration. Here's a question. I I still have faith, right? If there was a real emergency like an imminent economic collapse like we had in 2008 or a life and death foreign policy choice, I really do think that Washington would get its act together for a while and solve the problem in an emergency. But past that, I don't see much hope in this political era when it comes to solving problems through legislation. And there's plenty of blame to go around for that. Like I said, it's not just Trump. It's not just the Tea Party. It's not just conservative media. The left is responsible for this too. You go back to when they were actively cheering on our enemies during the Iraq war, hoping that we would lose and cut and run and calling uh, General Petraeus, General Betrayus. Remember all that? It's the same thing. And what the Democrats did in that case may, in fact, be worse. But it's all part of the same problem. How do you stop it? That's a great question. I think you'd have to try and wrest power away from the basis of the party somehow. You'd have to put more political power and more influence in the hands of moderates and more reasonable voices. You have to make the incentives for being unreasonable and immovable less appealing. For example, and we all see this, the, the look at Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene is somebody who's moved up the ladder of Republican politics, gained more power in the Republican Party, gets lots of attention, some of it very positive. She's hailed as a hero by the MAGA people. Marjorie Taylor Greene, by all other accounts, is just a batshit crazy woman. 
and 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 they see the influence they can gain within the conservative movement if they just go ride or die with Trump and they sell their souls. And that's a far more appealing thing to some people than actually doing what Marjorie Taylor Greene, for instance, was elected to do, which is go to Washington and solve problems, which I thought is why people wanted to go to Washington. I'm not so sure anymore. And I get the fame and the love that you get from MAGA. The, the loyalty is enticing and the, you know, the shout outs from Truth Social, from Trump's account are very, very fun to get. You love those. But you have to see that in the long term, nothing good has come from any of this. So I'll, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on the immigration battle as it heats up this week. Uh, please check out the latest video if you haven't already at Dan Joseph 78. It's about another element of politics in the MAGA era. Conspiracy theory, this one involving Taylor Swift. That's at Dan Joseph 78 on YouTube. Thanks for listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. I will see you on Wednesday. <laughs>